I really don't know how they met uh, all that much. It's kind of been piecing clues together right now. I, my father and mother were not together while she was pregnant. They were... Information's come by f- to me in the past year or so that shows that I have older and younger half-siblings, which means he was clearly in a marriage when my mother, who was like a teen mom, got pregnant. You know, I really don't see those TV moments, so to speak, when they do these reunions and long-lost things as being a model to shoot for in life, <laughs> I guess. And, uh, you know, they, they have their lives and they have their own, uh, you know, everyone lives in their own illusions, and I think they already have one about their father, and I really, I get no benefit from it, so to speak you know, from disrupting their lives or anything like that. The information's interesting, but, uh, yeah, I, I doubt I would ever get in touch with them. I had a grandmother in the house who was, uh, you know, off the boat from Poland, from a farm, and she was a very masculine figure. She worked in a factory. She was really rough. She dealt out corporal punishment. <laughs> and so, you know, it, there was, not that that's a natural dynamic or anything like that, but it, it seemed like there was a strong sort of, masculine portrayal of a figure and, and a feminine one in my mom. And my mom was just sort of like out to lunch. You know, she was too young to have kids and she never dealt with it. And she tried to be friend at times, but mostly she was just out of it. And so you know, my grandmother, I was a lot closer to, and if anything, she actually kind of felt like a dad <laughs> most of the time. Uh, the only thing that was, was odd was just sort of the community I grew up in. And, you know, I'm, I'm mid thirties. I was actually sort of discriminated against for being, you know, not having a dad. Like, parents would whisper. I remember distinctly not making the baseball team one year when I clearly did well and heard somebody refer to me as a bastard, <laughs> which now it's kind of funny, but if you look at the numbers, you know, that charting, you know, that was like probably like 5% of the population, and now it's like well into the 30s as far as, you know, un- unwed pregnancies and uh, births. So, yeah, it was, and especially in my community, it was pretty unheard of. You know, it was a very macho factory town. You were expected to play sports and things like that. And I think there was a lot of those dynamics where the, the dad would be there cheering. And I think that was really kind of the only places I noticed it. It was funny. My grandmother would call me uh, uh, Diablo Bestia, which was like the devil bastard. <laughs> and, uh, it was when she would lose her temper at me. You know, I just, it was kind of comical, you know, because of my grandmother. I didn't take it to heart. I, I think as I got, I think it did put a real chip on my shoulder, though. You know, I don't think I really re- related it so much at that time that I was angry, you know, about not having the father and that being the chip, but, you know, his personality was nothing like my mother and grandmother, and if that is indeed their genetic elements to it, I seemingly, from what I pieced together, am very like him. So I don't know, maybe D- DNA and n- nurture versus nature, I'm not really, I wonder about that, or because he was, he was driven a lot more like I am in life than, than, uh, my mother and grandmother seem very happy with their lot in life. I mean, I came across like a newspaper piece once for something he had done in a closet, and my mother explained a little bit and then, you know, clammed right up again on it. My father was fairly working class, as best I can figure out, when my mom met him, and he just operated a tow truck company, and it was the fact that he pulled a police cruiser out of the river. And it was just a picture of him doing that. And he's known only by his nickname, which was Buddy. And it was, it's, uh, and I just asked who it was. And, you know, she basically said, that's your father. 
That was the end of the conversation. <laughs> and the funny thing was, I never went back to look at it, ever, after that. And, and I, I was too young to remember the last name. I mean, it, I didn't, you know, really have a process on what, what his last name was until, again, fairly recently. It was funny, I was probably like four years old, and I turned, I knew to turn it off right then and there, and I did. I knew I had like a million questions there, and I could already feel myself like feeling really uncomfortable. I wouldn't quite say, again, it's hard to like think back that far. I wouldn't say it was tears or this or that, but I just knew it was an overwhelming discomfort was coming on. And my mom clearly didn't want to talk about it, which sent a signal. <laughs> you know, a lot of things were permissible in that household. And if she was clamming up on something, it seemed like, yeah, I was really hitting an area that was going to be bad for everybody. So yeah, I just walked away from it. I'm somebody that just wants to know everything about everything, but seemingly that was something I put a big wall up in front of and, and decided not to explore, and I, it never has quite gone down all the way. The only thing that I think made me delve a little bit more into it was my mom was diagnosed with terminal cancer last year, and she ended up not dying, interestingly enough, but when she was going through that, not that she was sharing any information, but I guess I was kind of feeling like no one was left in the family but me. Uh, I was an only child as well. So yeah, I, I think that started me looking a little bit when I was, you know, going through sort of a fit of depression. That depression abated. <laughs> I stopped looking. I think the more real picture I painted of him, the more I knew it would hurt me. And so I just didn't want to know because I just felt there would be more pain. W what happens is, is instead of sort of taking that in sort of a big chunk, it just permeates you very lightly. You know, it's death by a million pinpricks. It, you know, it infuses you, it infuses your personality, but you never confront the issue that, yeah, you're really upset that you don't have this information, don't have this figure in your, your life. You know, my therapist once said to me, there's a reason we talk about parents a lot and that there's all those jokes and stuff that therapists ask you about them, because they really do fuck you up. And she, and she goes, and you're really fucked up by this. And she goes, you, she goes, you don't have to do anything with it, but you have to acknowledge the fact that it had this effect on your life. She goes, you move on, you don't have to dig through it, but you have to acknowledge that that occurred. And that was sort of a turning point in therapy, probably. You know, I, I think it just, you know, it over-enhanced some areas of my personality and under-enhanced others. But, you know, I went from art school and I went to law school, you know, was really driven, became... <laughs> Came at eight to a couple of cabinet secretaries in Washington and went into finance. And I like really kind of like did all these things in life. And it was just like to kind of fill something, you know, and I didn't know why I was doing it. I think I, I was start, I was living a life that wasn't for me. And I think a lot of people do for a lot of reasons. I don't, I don't want to make it that aspect of it seem unique. I think the intensity that I wanted to succeed and get approval was excessive by, I think, most people's standards. I think I just always kind of viewed that, that he was just kind of a hard ass that backed my mom off, and that was that. And then at a certain point, over the past several years, I knew he had another family, and still, I, I guess, it, not that I was cutting him any slack, I guess I was just kind of viewing it slightly different from that. But when I actually found out a year, year or so ago that I actually had older and younger siblings, he had clearly had a wife, continuous wife, his whole life, then... It took on a very different sense to me. It was very practical, mean, but practical. And I think, yeah, I think a good portion of my life I was mean and practical. <laughs> I, I, I think I really was, yeah, lived a very black and white 
Spartan life that was always trying to like just kind of get again weird achievement and things like that but having the knowledge that he had the family in, uh, in place and that I was actually in the middle of the kids yeah it changed things it made it seem like somebody who was scared instead of somebody who was just mean you know I'd be scared shitless if I went home to you know a wife, a living girlfriend, whatever, and just said, oh, by the way, just, um, I'm going to have to be paying child support in a few months because we got really, you know, messed up last weekend and I got some girl pregnant, she told me. I mean, that would, that would be, that, again, it, I think I could still read in that he might have just been harsh on it, but, yeah, that really changed things a lot. It changed, certainly changed the view. Added another dimension to this ghost, if you will. I think, you know, the fact that he was able to make a clean, hard choice with my mom, uh, as much as I was on the wrong side of that choice. But, uh, yeah, I think that there are certainly like aspects of creating finality and things like that. It's, again, it's sort of like hieroglyphics is trying to figure out the clues, but it's, it, you know, there are certainly indications along those lines. My mom let it slip that my birth name is Francis and uh, the Polish version of it. I never knew I was called that. I was born in St. Francis Hospital, so I always thought, you know, that was the case. And one day, just oddly, my mom let slip. She goes, no, you're named after your father. I was like, ooh. <laughs> you, know, you, you waited 30 years to point that out? <laughs> you know? And that, that started a little bit of soul-searching, and then there was a weird incident. A few months after that, a town history of my hometown came out. And the front cover of it was a bunch of little kids from the 60s going to Yankee Stadium from my town. And the centerpiece is the picture of the Little League at Yankee Stadium, and my father is on the cover. And so that was suddenly pointed out to me. <laughs> and uh, that, again, was kind of making me confront this, you know, this, this notion. And that was the first time, at least in, in any sort of real way, I was able to see what his last name was. And... That obviously gave me clues to his ethnicity and, you know, things like that. I also noticed that there was a very, 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 very strong resemblance, which was also kind of odd because I looked nothing like my mother or my grandmother. I knew, I knew my father must have looked differently because my mother and grandmother are, uh, again, they're Polish descent, but they're, they're very Semitic looking, very almondy, dark, dark eyes, black, black hair, and, and also heavy eyelids as well, which tend to be the case. Whereas there's, I forget what the actual term is used, but there's uh, the more sort of uh, blondish Aryan, <laughs> whatever you want to put. Poles have like almost no eyelid show, which I don't, and often have cleft chins. And he had both those features. So I could tell very quickly when it was pointed out, your father's on the cover of this, by the way. I picked the kid out in two seconds. You know, it was pretty obvious. It was somewhat gratifying and somewhat assaultive at the same time. And it kept, I guess, breaking away things to make me want to learn more, and I kept trying to stop myself. And I kept trying to hold up that same line that I always had. There's no you know, there's no reason to dwell in this information, you know. I think I always told myself, you know, if he wanted to be part of your life, he would be. So fuck him if he's not. I lived by that, and I think I think a lot of the having these clues suddenly slip in was making me have to address it differently, and that was very hard.
because that was the, you know my truth was that it didn't matter and the reality was it did. These clues came in right as I was also informed he was dead. Uh, you know, it all happened at once. That was odd. I mean, after no clues coming into my life at all, like within probably nine months, the fact that he was named after me, the fact that he died, uh, and that and in uh, that cover that that history of the town all came out at once. I was also getting pressure from my mother to go after his estate, and you know, to be treated as a rightful heir. You know, she was very bitter because, you know, he backed her off very hard when she tried to get just simple child support because it would then be known to his wife and kids that he had another child and used a lawyer to intimidate my mother out of getting child support. And so she was viewing it as payback, which I don't think I processed it. I viewed it more as her trying to use me as a vehicle for her own revenge of somebody I didn't care about and wasn't going to be made to care about just because, you know, she wanted she didn't even want the money for it. She wanted it for me. But, you know, I just wasn't going to be part of that. Probably a little regret now on that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, but you, know, at the, you know, at the time it was the right decision, so it is what it is. She called me up and told me. And I was like, huh. Huh. And it was like nothing. I was like, Whatever. And my mom, I think, clearly took that as a clue not to talk about it more. Then it actually started manifesting itself over months. And it was becoming really clear that this... I think that this was probably yeah, the, the underpinnings of everything kind of changing my life. It actually dates back probably a little bit longer than the actual change last year. Yeah, so he died like two and a half years ago. So, actually... You know, it took away the boogeyman. You know, it took away the person I hated and that I was trying to outdo and was trying to exceed. I didn't even know if he, what he measured success by or anything else. All I knew was I was going to be, you know, bigger, happier, have more, 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 whatever. It was going to be better. My life was going to be better and without him. And when that was gone, that really was hard. Definitely like, you know, it's like Batman without the Joker. You know, what do you do when your arch nemesis is gone? And in my case, it was, yeah, I started living again. Or maybe for the first time, I don't know. It, it definitely affected how I took care of people, too. That was a very big thing. Sort of loyalty and taking care of people, I think, was really, really out of sorts. Like, way too much, too hard. I was in... Uh, at, you know, marriage at the time that was with somebody who was really sick. And there was just never the thought of, of trying to make my life better and not dealing with this issue. Yeah, and it was because of, yeah, this sense of loyalty. There's just no way I can become what he was. There's no way that I can leave this, no matter how bad the situation is, no matter how sick this person is and how sick they make themselves with, with substances am I leaving? Because that just makes me like him. It, it definitely made, made me make some really bad decisions. Yeah, I guess I'd best compare it to, it's, it's sort of like what, what it did. It'd be like if you only worked out with a weight with one arm. You know, I just became really strong at certain things and too strong at certain things. And, you know, then underneath it, the underpinnings were all, you know, weak and distorted. It, it just made for a really unhealthy person.
And I found this out just last year. He tried to actually have me spend a summer vacation week with him. And I would gather it was with the whole family because it was out of state. And my mom said no because she didn't want him taking me out of state and figured, I guess, with his wealth and whatever, he could, if he did want to make a case that he should have you know, custody, that he might do something like that uh, or some kind of paranoia. So that seemingly was her reasoning. That's a pretty new piece of information. I probably only had that one for like six months. The reason she mentioned that, interestingly enough, was the guy who did the reaching out for my father died. <laughs> so when people die, I get I get little nuggets about it. And she had mentioned that she knew this gentleman who passed away and why. So, but yeah, that's about it. On, on, as far as that, that's the only known case I, I know of where he reached out. There may have been others, but that's the only one that's ever been revealed to me. A lot of this is getting dredged up for me now, too, because um, uh, my grandmother, who was the other person who raised me, is is passing. She'll, she'll probably be gone within the next week or two. And there's been a lot of family trauma dealing with that. And, you know, again, it's losing somebody and reflecting back on on things and also seeing the way my mom's handling that situation, information, how she raised me, all that thing. It really did, because, again, you know, you needed somebody that just, like, has cut everything off and wants nothing to do with anything, refusing to pay child support, all this thing. You know, those are the only pieces that I have. And then to see that there is a point where, for whatever reason, um, guilt to gain custody, whatever, was trying to intervene. That's kind of shocking. Yeah, that was definitely a shocking piece of data. I didn't follow, much like I've done with every other piece of information from that, I didn't follow it up with any questions to my mother. And, uh... That I probably that that I certainly regret. I probably should have. Right, I should have. You know, nothing's made me want sort of the, I guess uh, the confrontation or the spitting on the grave or, I think the, the direct acknowledgement. I, I really never come across those kind of sensations. I think they're there though. I think it remains an unresolved issue and probably always will create some sort of structural weakness in me personality and stuff I, I just think how much my life changed after this person I never talked about and didn't have any facts on died and again a lot of reasons why my life changed over the past few years it never would have changed if he hadn't died because it made me actually look at myself and my motivations in life it, it, yeah, it ended up being very traumatic you know I think if I had dealt with it 20 some years ago it still would have been, but certainly not as bad as it was with building it up all those years and letting everything else. Again, you know, you're making bad decisions. You're ser- you're searching for bad decisions. <laughs> you're searching you're searching for things that play to these things that you're wrongly strong at. You, you know, and you're you know you're driven to confront you know this person's situation in a roundabout way. So you just keep on taking on worse baggage than somebody who probably dealt with it earlier and just kind of dealt with the trauma of it. You just keep, you just keep filling up the sack on your back. I think when he was actually you know, dead and I had nowhere else to turn and no one, no one did. When I had no, no one to hate that much, I had to admit it was him that I hated. <laughs> I had, I had to make him real after just ignoring him the whole time. And yeah, 
yeah, there was just, there was nowhere to go on it. And, you know, I'm just kind of, I'd say, you know, looking at things in a big, big way, I don't think not having any kind of personal confrontation style resolution or something, I think I'm ultimately fine with that. I don't think that's the worst of it. I think, I think it's more just, again, just in like how misshapen (laughs) things are and will always be because of it. And, you know, the decisions, you know, I think of, you know, the thought of having kids myself and stuff like that and having, I think, far more fear of it than a lot of people, uh, like having some sort of sense of what a father, I think I have a real sense of how bad a father can be for you, even if he's there or not there, which, which really makes me think a lot about an issue that I think people very naturally deal with or deal with from some political standpoint or something like that as to doing it or not doing it. I have yeah, a real emotional issue with wanting to have kids one way or another. I don't know if it is completely to have them and to do my best or if it's to completely avoid the subject. I think I'm just keenly aware of just um, good, bad parent, you know, good father, bad father, good mother, good, bad mother, genetics, whatever, just like how impactful, you know, those any of those elements must be.